Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Answer, what are you doing? What are you doing? You haven't answered me. You can't just hijack the clock. Ten. Yes, I'll go bowling. Yes? Okay, You love me. Ten. What? Nine. Eight. Seven. Six, five, answer, four. Yes, I'll go bowling. No, I asked if you love me, not if I go bowling. (laughs) They need us. They need us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding TV, a podcast about television. I'm David Chen, and if you show up for a massage appointment and Patrick Klepek is the masseuse, don't go in. (laughs) Joining me today is Patrick Klepek. David, I'm, I'm the problem. I've always been the problem, but I still want to do this podcast with you. (laughs) That's very kind. Uh, Of course, those are references to the fact that today on Decoding TV, we're going to be discussing The Curse, Episode 9, Down and Dirty. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com and find us across all platforms at Decoding TV. Uh, We will start by discussing our overall thoughts on the episode and then move on into a detailed spoilery recap. But before we do any of that, there's a couple of items I want to address. Uh, First of all, uh, mini announcement that you will hear me make probably one or two more times on the main feed, which is uh, people might have questions about, hey, what are David and Patrick covering after the curse is over? In the weeks to come, we plan to switch Decoding TV over into a weekly format where Patrick Klepek and I discuss stuff that's going on in the world of television and also some shows that we follow regularly. Uh, And it will be a show basically that you can listen to even if you are not watching the show, like any specific show on the air, um, as we've been doing for most of Decoding TV's life. For most of Decoding TV's life, you've had to watch the show that we're covering, or people felt that they had to watch the show that we're covering in order to listen to the podcast. Uh, but what we want Decoding TV to be is a show where you, a podcast where you can tune in and listen, even if you haven't been watching any television that week. And that's the thing that we're going to hope to create in the coming weeks. Uh, and we'll be open to your feedback about that at decodingtv at gmail.com. But Patrick and I have been ta- talking about it for a few weeks now. And uh, we're excited about switching to something weekly where uh, people can tune in and, and, and enjoy it, even if they're not watching The Curse or The Last of Us or whatever. Uh, now, we will still be talking about prestige television shows on decoding tv and in fact uh we will probably uh do a you know one-off shows like uh that that cover specific uh high profile shows on tv like uh, the last of us season two will probably be its own weekly recap podcast and house of the dragon will probably be its own weekly recap podcast but um uh separate from that you know it's going to be more uh, around a weekly format uh in the new year with decoding TV. So stay tuned for that. But I just wanted people to know uh, what, what's going on there. Patrick Klepek, you have no experience hosting a weekly format show, though. Like, this no, is going to be a new thing but for you. But right? I, you know, I, I thought to myself, 
I can't get David to commit to 10 weeks of covering Monarch Legacy of Monsters. <laughs> How can I talk about that show every week? Well, Dave, I really think we should switch to a weekly format mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. Um, I could talk about Monarch Legacy of Monsters and we'll work backwards from that into whatever uh, makes sense. But I, I think it's, uh, as people have seen, as we've tried different styles of shows um, that we cover week to week or in bunches, you know, we tried a couple different experiments and David and I have started uh, working uh, with one another uh, last summer. Um, and I think this new format may be the best of both worlds where not every show has to like, so sort the weight of like an hour long discussion, <laughs> right. but can still be something that you or I are watching or watching together and can be fun to talk about, but isn't, well, if we get into the granular uh, uh, notions of this uh, camera pan on like 42 minutes in, like not every show is necessarily going to, going to work that way. And I think this uh, leans a lot into the dynamic that David and I have found with each other and will allow us to talk about, I think a lot more shows because even as a lot of things are constricting in like the, the media space there's still too much to watch um and i think this will give us a chance to kind of lean into that from the the very uh different kinds of television shows that you and i are both interested in indeed so in the next few weeks stay tuned as uh the decoding tv feed transitions into a weekly show we're going to try it see what people think about it and of course we're always open to your feedback at decoding tv gmail.com or at decoding tv.com uh but Yep, that is the current plan. I'm excited. I'm so uh, thrilled that Patrick has agreed to try this out with me, and we'll see how it goes. But yeah, uh, obviously Patrick and I have both been hosting weekly shows for many, many years, and so <laughs> I think we'll we'll try to bring our expertise. What's another one, David? Like, why not? <laughs> we will bring our expertise to bear on something that we hope will be entertaining and engaging for y'all. All right. Finally, uh, before we get to the episode today, I do want to mention that we got a comment about uh, from two weeks ago on episode seven, uh, self-exclusion, the curse episode. Zach Johnson at Decoding TV writes, they didn't show Kara signing the second set of documents. It read like she used the distraction of the basketball to avoid signing. Now, I remember them showing her signing it and then i all but i googled it and also on reddit there was some debate about whether she actually signed the documents so patrick klepek and i we went back we checked the tape as far as we can tell kara signed the release documents at the end of episode seven uh it shows her it doesn't show a close-up of her signing it but it's nothing there's no close-ups on the show at all basically so it's like you know uh it shows her making squiggly motions underneath the paper and then putting them in the envelope so I feel like she did sign the documents. Patrick Klepek, you've looked at the screenshot as well. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, we reviewed the Zapruder tape, and yes. uh, I believe it. I believe it lines up. I mean, the the Kara we see in the next episode at the art gathering, the social gathering that that Whitney wants uh, filmed, is a Kara who seems distraught, lost, realizes they have maybe gone down a poor path with a uh-huh. partner. Uh, doesn't seem like someone who in the back of their head is going, don't worry, didn't sign that other, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it yeah. does not uh, come across as a person in a position of power. And if they thought they were getting one uh, up on on Whitney, I I think Kara would have been portraying themselves in a different light. And so I, that's just not the impression I get from where Kara is as a character right now. But like many, like the many theories we've had over the past you know uh however many weeks in discussing this show you know what if this came as a curveball in episode 10 like sure why not like i I think it's 
in the realm of possibility, but you know, without getting into episode nine too much, given where it seems like the show is pointing its arrows, I, that doesn't seem like something we should be expecting before this. I agree. Wraps up. I agree. Well, speaking of where the show is pointing its arrows, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the curse episode nine down and dirty. Let's start with overall thoughts as usual. We are now in the end game of the show, Patrick Klepek. Uh And I have to say, I think that my kind of speculation about where the show is heading is largely correct, which is I think it's about the, the these characters marriage, Asher and Whitney's mm-hmm. marriage. Like that's the primary through line, I think, of this show. And uh, I think there's a lot of interesting material there. I like this episode. Uh, I thought it was very good. Tons of good old classic cringy moments here. Uh, st- a few extremely upsetting moments. Uh, <laughs> at least one scene where I wanted to shrivel up into a fetal position and die. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's. I would say it's a very solid The Curse episode. Patrick Klepek, what did you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, it still makes me incredibly curious where I have very ominous feelings about the fin- I It just, <laughs> I don't feel we, you and I have not watched it yet. Like we're yeah, not, we're yeah. not doing this pretending like we sort of know what's right. like. We don't know what's on the other end of this though. I'm presuming the moment we finished recording this, David might go <laughs> endeavor yes. to find that out as soon as humanly possible. Um, but the tension is just so high. I, continue to adore everything Emma Stone is doing in this show. It asks her in this episode, I think is a great showcase to essentially be playing like so many different characters. Like so much of what this show has become about is Whitney's lack of identity. What does she think about herself? What does she project to the world? Where do those two meet in the middle? Where do they not? And like it ultimately, yes, it's a show about her, like this marriage, I think it's more about Whitney. Like mm. it's weighted more towards Whitney more than 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 anybody else. Um, and Asher is just a very powerful sort of moon that orbits uh, uh, Whitney. Uh, and I, I'm just, you know, I again, I don't know where it lands, but I'm just so compelled by her performance, and yeah. frankly, pretty interested in just what does this character think of themselves? Where we, you know, this episode even by the end, doesn't give us a great sense of what she thinks of herself. And I think that is going to kind of the central mystery. If there are any mysteries to the show, uh, it is who is Whitney. Um, and I don't know that we get a, a period at the end of that by uh, the end of the show, but I, I'm guessing we get an exclamation point. <laughs> um, yeah. I just don't know which form that's going to take, but I find myself very taken by this very strange world and the very strange characters that are within it. It's a show that is at times deeply hard to relate to, which uh, makes me not shocked that it's perhaps not particularly popular because it's just a show that doesn't really invite you in. Um, But I think for the people it resonates with, whether you find any personal resonance with it, uh, that's not me, but I just find the character so captivating and the show just unlike anything else I've ever watched that I, you know, a bit like a car crash. I I, I can't look away. Like I have to see where this all ends up. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I will be there like for that finale, just desperately wondering what do those, what do those tears mean? I don't know. 
Indeed. Indeed. It's it's a good open question. I think you're right that that the Whitney character, she's probably the protagonist, you know, like the main protagonist. Yes, we see a bunch of scenes with Asher by himself and stuff, but like she seems the one that I think we spent the most time with alone. Is my <laughs> she's guess. like a, uh, is a, a protagonist, antagonist, kind of a tagonist. Like you're here. <laughs> um, but what, she's like protagonist the... <laughs> adjacent. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think like pinning down. Just what she believes, I, I think, is just the central sort of question. The show is sort of like pu- pulling constantly at these strings, and I, I think, I mean, the answer may ultimately be that she doesn't know either, um, and is someone that is just sort of adrift uh, at this point in her life, but um, believes very little, stands for very little, um, but it certainly can say the words, but doesn't doesn't really walk it. Um, and where that all lands you as a person, as as things get increasingly anxious around you and as a public spotlight you know it's it's one thing for all this to happen in your personal life but when it starts to get mixed in the public sphere uh that that gets very complicated indeed yeah indeed all right well solid episode lots to discuss those are our overall thoughts on the curse episode nine hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Let's get into a detailed conversation about what happens this episode with spoilers. Patrick Klepek, I almost screamed at the beginning of, at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> yeah. The when scream. This, hap- this, this opening, as I experienced, I paused and... I didn't know if you were watching yet, so I wasn't going to say yeah, anything. I was yeah, like, I'm yeah. pretty sure Dave is going to message me when he, wa- when he watches yeah. this. But I was like, I thought to myself, this is specifically engineered to drive David up a fucking wall. Like, <laughs> everything about, like, there's no way they're doing this show in reaction to our podcast. No, no way. But if they were, you would put in this opening scene particularly to just make David question everything about what's happening in this show. <laughs> It's an amazing moment. Um, you know, uh, let me let me bring up a few analogies. These will be spoilery for the things I'm about to discuss. Mm. Um, but did you remember like uh, Bioshock, the video game, right? Yeah. There's a moment in Bioshock, the video game where like something happens late on in the video game that recontextualizes everything that's happened in the first half of the video game, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. And, you know, and then... Uh, Another movie that that comes to mind that is probably a closer or a show that comes closer analogy is like the Sam Esmail Amazon Prime series Homecoming starring Julia mm. Roberts. Do you see that show? 
I watched the first couple episodes of the first season and then tailed off for no for no good reason, but quite liked it. Amazing show, and there is something that the show does with uh, aspect ratio that is really incredible. Um, some of the the scenes are shot in like four by three. Some of them are shot in wide widescreen aspect ratio. And there's a moment in that show, very minor spoilers, where uh, it, it basically becomes clear to the viewer why they were shooting in different aspect ratios. Uh, and uh, that's kind of what it felt like in this opening scene where the episode opens with a car watching Whitney leave her house. And then all of a sudden the car starts and someone drives it. And I'm watching it and you're watching Whitney walk like out of her house. You're like, oh, this is just another shot. Like the shots we've seen all season uh, that are shot through like the window of a car. But then somebody is in, and it's like, oh my, you're actually in someone's perspective. And then the car slowly drives through downtown Española before arriving at the shoot for Asher Whitney show. Who is in the car? unclear they have gloves on so you can't really see their hands it's not asher that was my first impulse was oh right. they're clearly on poor terms i'm gonna walk to work you know like sort of thing because we've seen whitney choose to not take her car and, right. and go on a long walk to be one with the community um uh so that was my first thought but then the the, the music the way it's shot sometimes the lack of music after like ominous music is played is just meant to make you feel like, well, a murder is about to occur. Right. Who do you think is going to die? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I am curious, like, is it just, is is it all going to add up to something? You know, people in decodingtv.com and uh, on decodingtv.com have speculated. uh, Dougie is filming a secret show. Asher is filming a secret show, you know, like, and I I wonder, is it just going to be, Oh, like after episode 10, is there going to be some big reveal? Or are we just going to look back and then say, oh, that was a fun thing we did. We just was like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if it was actually a guy driving the car? You know, like, <laughs> this, is our, this is our most, uh, like, it's so intentional and it's so, like, yeah. different times we've gotten sort of gone down rabbit holes speculating on a yeah. metatextual layer to what we're watching yeah. that'll make yeah. sense later. It does feel like we're, the show invites it, I think, but... Mm-hmm it does feel like we're pulling at like potentially invisible threads. Whereas like, this is the opening to the, like it is given great importance. It is not um, 10 seconds long. Like we sit in this car for an uncomfortable amount of time where you are then invited as the viewer to speculate. Who is it? What are we doing here? What are we doing Um, here? Right. Like it's the first, I did sort of appreciate it on a, on a, on a, on a, from a different angle of, it's the first time we get a better sense of the geography of the place. Mm, like, yeah. like what is, what is their pride? Like when they say community, like yeah. that can mean a lot of different things. And like in this case, like, no, that's pretty close. Like yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know, a, like a mile walk to uh, like the coffee and jean shop, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, um, yeah. And I did appreciate that, you know, as the ominous murder music played, <laughs> I was going, Oh, so that's where their house is next <laughs> to all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. So, anyway, uh, I'm just. This is basically Patrick. This is the last time we will be able to speculate about what's actually going on. We got to go you know? wild. Like this is the lay all the theories out on on the yeah, table because because, because yeah. next week we're gonna. It's either gonna be nothing. It's not gonna add up to anything, 
or there's going to be some reveal about what's actually going on with all these these camera angles. Right? <laughs> the um, show's not getting a season two, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, so. I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, I don't I'm so. sure they didn't plan it that way. This does not seem constructed as no, a no, <laughs> anything no. that would have continued. No, yeah. Um, but I, I don't have any theories beyond... Asher is secretly filming everyone and Dougie is secretly filming anyone. And that said, I, I, I don't think it's either of their cars, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know enough about Asher and Dougie's cars. Well, Asher, they, um, uh, Asher and he have, they do have a Tesla. We've seen them driving that yeah, a number yeah. of times. And it definitely um, wasn't a Tesla that was being driven. And I believe right. their second car was more of like a SUV, yeah. CRV, like a, like a slightly larger car. And this felt... It lower. doesn't seem like Asher's. It looked like a sedan. Felt like a sedan. What? He yeah, was doing, right? I'm. I'm so, more inclined to think it's. Duh. But the thing with the thing is, everything else in the episode, which you know, betrays. I now think Dougie is a more like like Dougie wants nothing to do with his Frankenstein creation, and <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, granted, right, all like, that pivot happens after this scene, and so maybe yeah. this is the final. Um, the final POV shot. Or the POV whatever. shot that right, we yeah. get of like this alternate right. show. That like Dougie has been creating concurrently with yeah, um, flipanthropy and and Green Queen. I don't I don't know. Um, but it just I feel like we'll be able to answer that in the final episode. Like what what was occurring there? Just right. otherwise, I don't really understand or, the purpose of of yeah, the, the scene. Or it's just a random crew member that was just chilling. You know, I don't know. I don't know. And I, we do have a random crew member, you know, commit an act like in this episode, but it's clearly not this one. Unless may, it's, maybe it could be. Maybe it could be, right? Could be that maybe. one. Maybe. Could be that I one. I think they already fired at that point, though, weren't they? Yeah, but that doesn't mean they wouldn't follow Whitney around. That's know? true. That's true. That's true. Anyway. All right. Again, we got to leave we, the theories we, we on got, the table. We got nothing. We got nothing, basically. We don't, we don't have no, any strong... No, we don't. We don't. We don't have any strong theories at this point. No, um, no. Which is exciting. Right? I actually think I, that's like really fun um, that I don't really know what this is supposed to mean, but feel the show has steady enough hands that wherever we end up is going to, even if we don't actually get a clear answer, like it was, they might never address it. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Anyway. Uh, so the shoot is going on at Asher and Whitney's jean shop. One of the couples pretending to buy their homes is attempting to buy jeans that are clearly too small. It's, it's a little bit funny. And then an HGTV executive is at the shoot and tells Dougie how much they're enjoying the parts where Asher and Whitney are shown as a loving couple. And Dougie's like, yep, I agree. That's what the show has always been all along. And uh, I've never thought otherwise. <laughs> and uh, and then he tells Whitney, hey, we need to pivot away from the stuff where you and Asher are not getting along. Um, and Asher shows along and uh, Asher shows up and then they start kind of uh, fighting with each other. So um, I have a question. Do you yes. think because it didn't occur to me until just now as you're doing reading the summary was. Do you because th- there's a moment where Dougie talks about like what they need to get shot for what's being sent in the dailies. Would you. My impression, my takeaway from this is that Dougie has not been sending that. St- has he, do you think he's been sending I, all of I this think, stuff to the network or has he been secretly editing this on the side? I think the show does a pretty poor job of explaining what Dougie's workflow is. I, okay. I will say that. I think that um, my guess is he's been sending cuts of stuff to them because all the stuff we see both on YouTube uh, in real life and also on the show is very polished. So He's probably sending them cuts, chunks of shows. Um, it's weird because when we see it on the show itself or on YouTube, it's like very, pol- it's like it, all the color is done. The music's done. Like, but in reality, that's not how it works. Like you send over a rough cut 
and they, they provide notes and then you make more cuts and so on and so forth. We don't see really any of that process on the show. Um, so I think during this time, my sense is uh, cuts are being sent to the studio. It might not be dailies. Dailies literally like what was shot that day. The raw um, kind of footage. Like the that raw pottery footage. scene, you think the network saw that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay. And, and by the way, the pottery scene is like a finished scene. It's like a yeah. color, sound, it's all done. Music is all done. So uh, it's the way that the, the executive phrased it. I don't, I, I didn't get as, I feel like she would have been a little more strongly about that had uh, there been so much of this like green queen angle, but maybe that is me just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I guess well, I wonder, I, maybe think that may, has Doug been doing more, Dougie doing right, more I, like editing on the side. That's not pre- presented to the network. There's an open question about whether like HTTV has seen the final scene in this episode, right. Of like, uh, Whitney explaining how her marriage is falling apart and everything sucks. Um, and has HTTV seen that? And then like, and then said, Hey, tone it down, Dougie. And then he cut all that stuff out. Or, um, did Dougie get the directive? And then he never even sent that to HTTV. That, like, that's, so that, that's what I'm trying to it, figure out. Yeah, It's is, unclear. It's un, I don't think the show makes it very clear at all. Be, well, um, and because, and the reason I started linking these and, and wondering if the network ever really saw some of this stuff was, the executive later then makes a remark uh, at, at a dinner where um, it's like, oh, there's there's Asher doing something, then Whitney doing that eye roll. And like that is like the low stakes, like mm, tension yeah, 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 between exactly. the two of them exactly. as opposed to any of the – and that – like that, you know, that, this network executive seems pretty straightforward. Like if they were like, right. hey, cut it out with the divorce shit, like she would have said that. And I just – all of that is absent from the notes that are given at different points in this episode. Yeah. So in my head canon, the ne- the network has been sent versions of the show where Dougie and Asher don't, I'm sorry, Asher and Whitney don't get along. Yeah. Uh, but nothing like incendiary. Like gotcha. what we've seen at the end of the day. That's kind of in my head. But you know, okay. the show doesn't make that really clear. So Right, yeah. right, right. All right. Anyway, uh, a PA on the show approaches Whitney and tells her ca- a camera operator they've been working with has been fired after he placed a card that said Slumlord on Whitney's car. Whitney demands to speak with the worker, and on the contentious phone call, Whitney discovers the camera, uh, camera operator heard a driver who works on the set, Phoebe, had an uncle who was evicted from one of the buildings that Whitney's parents operate. Upon meeting with an apologetic Phoebe, Whitney claims this is a problem she wants to make right. And so as a thank you, Phoebe recalls an earlier conversation between her and Whitney where Whitney encouraged her to chase her dream of working on the show. Phoebe is excited for the world to meet the real Whitney. I like this scene because I think it shows that even though Whitney's kind of a monster, mm-hmm. she still can do good things, you know, like, or she still can inspire people. Uh, and yeah, I, it's just a kind of a nice moment where like people aren't just one thing, you know, Whitney's a terrible person, uh, completely self-delusional and obviously very mean to Asher and um, very emotionally immature from what I can tell. Um, but uh, she, she, you know, even just showing up and saying the right words to people uh, can create a nice effect on them. And I think we see that with this, this scene. Um, not saying, therefore, it justifies everything she's done. I'm just saying, like, people yeah. aren't just one. People don't just have just one impact on the world, you know? Well, so. and I, I think one of the big thematic parts of the curse is, like, we can very clearly see the image that Whitney the person that she wants to be, the like mm-hmm. the projected person that she wants to put into the world. And then a lot of the curse is showing the many, many 
many ways that she falls short of this ideal. Right. Yeah. But in chasing that ideal, yeah. like yeah. you can do good things along the way. And I think part of the beauty and the nightmare of the show is she, like is the parts where she doesn't live up to this like fiery progressive like ideal. Um, and and but in do, like it still is like the idea is worth chasing um yeah, but yeah, and in yeah. chasing that you can't help so so i say you know i i was with you like i found that to be yeah. a very heartwarming moment even if all it does is just underscore everything else that the the show has been displaying to us but right like that person's life is meaningfully better because of what ultimately might be a fake projection by by whitney but you know it was authentic to her and like who knows? Maybe she goes on to work on other sets and like have a career she never thought otherwise, and that's cool. Yeah. I'm, you know what? You can't. There are not many, not many characters to root for on this yeah. show. I'm rooting for Phoebe. You know, Hashtag put that in- Whitney did nothing wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, At least as far as we know, we haven't yeah. seen episode ten. Maybe we're gonna find out. Whitney did nothing wrong. Decoding okay? TV has put out a notes <laughs> apology. We are yeah. sorry for our earlier comments about Phoebe. We yeah. did not know. <laughs> Outside, Whitney searches her maiden name on Google only to discover it associated with a slew of headlines about her parents, with one headline calling one of their buildings a hell on earth. Uh, anyway, this is this is interesting. I, I I thought it you know the whole stuff with her parents I think is really interesting because uh, you know uh, everyone has complicated relationships with their parents and she's clearly trying to. She's honestly, um, you know who she reminded me a lot of in this episode is. Do you remember Sydney Sweeney's character in the HBO original series, The White Lotus, season one? Yeah, uh, yeah, um, I didn't watch that series, but I'm aware of it. I so I'm aware of her character. She's kind of like this Gen Z kid who has extremely wealthy parents, mm-hmm. and so like thinks she's like morally superior to her parents, while not under not understanding or acknowledging all the ways in which she benefits from being a child of theirs. Um, and that's the kind of self-delusion I think we see in the Whitney character this season. So, uh, anyway, there's a brutal scene where there's like Asher and Whitney are in, uh, the coffee shop and they're like, you know, tell me you love me. Tell me you'll go bowling with me. That was, is this the fetal position scene for you? It wasn't, it wasn't, it was no. the fetal position scene for me was the final scene. Okay. Where she's playing the tape and Asher's like sitting right there. I was just like, this is just. This, is this so was brutal. just uncomfortable, which it was. It was absolutely uncomfortable. And I, this is one of those moments that I loved how long it went because <laughs> it's very easy to imagine a shorter, snappier version. But I'm like, I love that yeah. this is like seven They keep going back and forth for quite, for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, but what's happening is there is a, you know, the dynamic between Whitney and Asher is one of them loves the other one more. That's what that's what that's that's the dynamic we're seeing. And like there's many in, in fact, I would argue most marriages, one person loves the other person more. And most of the time it's like when it's good, it's like pretty close. Like, you know, like the, the level of love is very close. And then sometimes when the disparity is very large, it is really uncomfortable. And that's kind of what you're seeing uh played out in this scene. So well, and one person knows it, right? Yeah. So I think Whitney is deeply understands or at least at this point in the show right i yeah we don't have a good sense of how manipulative has she been like in the past i know you've speculated and i think correctly that like part of the reason asher is her husband is because asher 
can be controlled. Um, yeah. uh, and here, you know, we, it, it pairs very well with this, I guess the, the fetal position scene <laughs> later in the episode yeah. in which like you see very clearly and plainly an emotional power dynamic. And there's lots of different power dynamics in a relationship, especially ones that are, uh, you know, past the honeymoon phase. And like, you are dealing with like living with people uh, and the highs and lows that come with a relationship over a longer period of time. And, yeah. and here we see that emotional like power dynamic uh, play out in, in a way that is like in a scene meant to be flirtatious, but like, it's all, like the scene before is us realizing Whitney can no longer be a jerk to Asher on screen. So now she needs to go flirt with him and she just on a dime is able yeah. to turn on the charm. Um, and, yeah. and in many ways, I think become closer maybe to the woman that Asher fell with, fell for in, mm-hmm. in the first place. You know, I, I've my takeaway from this scene and the, the, the scene at the bowling alley was, like almost nostalgic. Like this was a, maybe a version of Asher Mm -hmm, and Whitney that helps establish why are these, why are these two people together? Like what's going on here? And, you know, it's similar to, there's, there was an air of, uh, inauthenticity to Kara and Whitney playing horse, Mm -hmm. but I found a lot of authenticity to the bowling scene and the flirtation scene even though it is structured within like Whitney, like playing Asher probably to some degree, yeah. but it felt like it was her reverting back to an earlier version of the relationship that gives us a lens into how we arrived at this to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to consider the horse scene and also this scene as like scenes where Whitney is in recreation mode. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is, there are like dark undertones to both scenes, right? In one, she might be playing a role. And in the other, she is basically, uh, uh you know, the, well, the other person is trying to, right? She's, yeah, she's manipulating she's people to, in both instances. Yeah. In both instances, there's someone trying to please her in some yeah. way, basically. Right. So, yeah. Um, anyway, so then we get an, we get some resolutions of this Carl thing, right? Uh, Carl, or sorry, Bill shows up. Um, Bill from the casino comes and says hi and says, hey, sorry, I, I kind of gave you the silent treatment. Um, I thought you were the one that leaked the information. Turns out it was this other guy, Carl. And then Asher is like, you know what? I'm going to step up and uh, I'm going to be, be the person who I think Whitney <laughs> wants me to be and says, like, I was the leaker. Uh, maybe Carl also did something, but I was the leaker. And then Bill is really pissed and, you know, gets really angry. And yeah. Um, what'd you make of that, Patrick Klepek? Ah, an overcorrection on Asher's part. Um, I would say, um, you know, sometimes take the W, you know, like you look, the world just handed you an easy out. Um, but you know, especially because earlier in the, in the episode, you know, we get yeah. right before Dougie informs, Whitney, they're like, hey, we, we got to cut this angle on the show. She's like, hey, like, you know, Asher was like, trying to be like, oh, I'm a tough guy. I'm like, it was really sad. Like, we should we should do something with that. And then this is the consequence of that emotional manipulation. Um, like, it's mm-hmm. so easy to forget the fragile state that Whitney left Asher in. Like, that, like, go rewatch that sequence where she makes fun of him after mm-hmm. Fernando comes 
and yeah. confronts them with the gun. Like it is, it's truly one of the meanest like things I've seen on screen in yeah. a long time because it is so personally. Yeah, you just don't do hurtful. that to a spouse in general, like unless you're on the way out. You know, because the, the the notion of a long term relationship. I don't know how we don't know how long they've been together, but at least three three years, right? Like a couple of years, mm-hmm. long enough to have an enormous amount of ammunition. Um, yeah. When you know someone for a long enough time, you know what upsets you. You know th- th- what makes them tick. And that sequence with with Whitney is her just unloading everything in her stockpile, knowing that I'm going to reduce you to dust. Uh, and uh, yeah. Then of course Asher is going to respond in kind with, you know, this is someone who takes notes after arguments, who records right. arguments. Like they look at their life in a very analytical fashion. Like there's a way of looking at a Excel spreadsheet to be a better husband, um, and that's problematic in and of itself as a way of dealing with another human being. Uh, but uh, I, I was not shocked that that's where this ended up. Even if I don't know if it'll have any more contributions to the story, but I think it, 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 I think we may be the last we see of bill and here of the casino, but it certainly plays into, you know, the scene that comes next um, in, in the hotel, because much of what is driving the plot at this point is like the emotional state of, of Asher. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, at the dinner, the HDTV Executive says that she loves what she's seen in the show so far, uh, but wishes the focus was more on the homes. Uh, and then they kind of they, they basically have like a decent executive network executive dinner, as far as I can tell. You know, they mentioned the Green Queen idea. Asher seems receptive to it. Probably inside, he's dying. You know, and then they go home, and Whitney overhears Asher in the bathroom. What do you think is going on in that scene, Patrick Klepek? Dude, what is Asher doing? Yeah, what's Asher doing? I wrote it in the document. I think he's masturbating, David. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not my interpretation, by the way. Really? Um, yeah. But he's ba- what Asher is basically like, you know, having an imaginary conversation with Bill in his head. Mm. And is like, you know, I, I... And by the way, I think this scene would have been very difficult to understand without subtitles. I had to turn, it on, turn them on. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to, but to he's basically it. like, you know, I, I bet you wish your your wife was as hot as my wife, Bill. You know, like... I'm the big man here. And he's kind of you know, talking and uh, very quietly to himself. And Patrick Klepek interpreted that as uh, him masturbating. Uh, you know, that's very likely. Uh, I'm just going to say, I thought he, maybe he was kind of like looking in the mirror and uh, giving himself a little pep talk. Patrick. Okay. I th- I, you know? Either sort of like either interpretation, I think but functionally works the your same. Your mind went there, Patrick. Um, well, uh, the last we see, uh, Asher, <laughs> Sexually pleasuring himself, like, is the sex scene between Whitney and Asher in which a similar sort of mm, there's like story another, plays yeah, out between yeah. the two of them. Um, and so, uh, anyway, yeah, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm learning a lot about Patrick Klepek's conception of masturbation. Don't That's all I'm go saying. into a bathroom and audibly start having a sexual fantasy um, <laughs> that can be overheard with closed captions, and mm. you're good to go, David. Yeah, yeah. I I would never want anyone to think I was masturbating when all I was doing. <laughs> It's just role playing an elaborate <laughs> fantasy in which my coworker envies me. Um, so there's another danger to add to the list, Patrick. Klepek. Anyway, uh, and yeah, she looks just utterly uh, like dejected in this in this scene. It's hard. It's hard to interpret. What yeah. did you What did you make of her 
responses because obviously uh this isn't new information to her um yeah so i think it's just her recognizing like like when you get into a toxic pattern with someone a friend a spouse loved one i've seen it happen to people it's it's occasionally happened to me where like literally everything they do is something that annoys you you know, mm-hmm. like it doesn't, they could be trying to apologize. Oh, the way they apologize was terrible. You know, like, and I think Whitney is entering the toxic spiral with Asher. Like, I don't think this, him whole, you know, whether he's masturbating or not, like, I don't think this whole thing is new. As you said, like she knows that this, he's this way. Um, but she's in this mode where nothing he does is going to make her happy. And so she's just reflecting on, Oh, like this is the guy who I married. Who's like, Needs to big himself up in the bathroom by fantasizing that he's better than, like, you know, having kind of elaborate cuck adjacent fantasies about his coworker, you know, like, um, and she's just like, and, and based on the, um, oh, the sex scene in the first episode, you would, like, I actually thought, oh, maybe she's actually, if not okay with this, then maybe she's actually, like, Embrace this lifestyle. Or found because, a compromise, right? right. How, how that was, we, why yeah. would she have married this guy? That, right. that was my question. It was like, why would she right. have married this guy if that was if she was like deeply unhappy in that way? But you know, people get married if they're deeply unhappy all the time. You know, like it's not <laughs> it's not a thing that it's not. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you. you Go know? get so, those tax breaks. Yeah. Anyway. Uh. So yeah, that was my interpretation. Was just, her just mm. kind of like being in a negative zone about yeah. her relationship? I with think her, that's actually. right. So, yeah. Anyway, Whitney heads to bookends, the building her parents operate, and her parents are currently living there because their lawyer advised them to. <laughs> and uh, her, her parents claim the person they evicted is someone they called the Ripper because they tore everything out in the apartment, sold it for scrap, and then demanded everything be replaced. Okay. I don't think there's any good guys in this situation, Patrick. Like, no. This is a, I, a room of bad things going on. Because here's the thing. Yes. Profiting off of the uh, poor is bad. I'm not – that is uh, – no disagreement there. That is a true fact. Uh, exploiting the poor and extracting as much money as them uh, from them as you can. Uh, not great for society. True fact. Uh, another fact that I also learned, I don't remember where I heard this. Might have been in like a This American Life or something else, but somebody, somebody once said that like, if you become a landlord, you will learn the darkest depths of what humanity is capable of. <laughs> And, and like people who you think are friends will like try and take advantage of you in ways that you would not even be able to conceive of um, is kind of, again, the warning for if you want to be a landlord, the exploiting person. Uh, and I thought about that when I saw this uh, scene play out where like, basically things are not simple, you know, like is, is kind of how I interpret it is like, yes. Oh, Whitney wants to like make this, you know, get this guy back in the, uh, uh, you know, complex. And maybe that person does deserve to have a home, but also it's not just as simple as like, let's welcome him back. Like um, there are bad things that this person was capable of and, and did. Uh, Patrick Klepek, how'd you read this whole, this whole sequence? Uh, yeah. I mean, bad. The, the word is like, ever, no one comes out looking good in this situation. Like obviously, yeah. um, you know, someone who, you know, ripping out all the stuff, demanding it to be replaced, knowing that insurance probably covers it. I sure I can, I can certainly see how that uh, would be an irritant, but like, I feel like you can't separate that from 
like they're living here six times a month because their lawyer told them to, which probably tells you everything you need to know about. Sure. Did the Ripper exploit them? A tiny little bit, but it's like in the pie of exploitation. Yes. Like these two are massively profiting off the continued misery of other yes. of other people. I mean, the Absolutely. line were like, "We're running like affordable housing. We can't even choose how much the rent is." Like, shut the fuck up! Like, like <laughs> you wouldn't do this well, unless it was massively profitable. Well, like, pretty, I gotta say, pretty rich uh, coming from <laughs> somebody who stole their their uh, classmates' lunch. Uh, money in in uh, elementary school, Patrick Clifford. You know, oh, is, I think uh, that was just a, a personal loan that was paid back by their parents. Um, <laughs> it's just a, a long way of the money getting pretty, back into pre- pretty rich from somebody who takes advantage of the Costco Television Exchange program. Well, I, I never exchanged television. <laughs> they didn't let me take back the the the, the HCTV that I bought from there. Um, I kept that and then eventually sold it. Um, but uh, yeah. It is. Fair, I don't have a. I don't point, have so. a lot of sympathy for. Yeah, like, that's fair. Those are that's easy fair. talking points to. I think those are more <laughs> things they tell themselves. And yeah, even, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, to feel better about like what they're doing. I mean, even as Whitney points out, like that's what you have the insurance for. And like, what am I supposed to boohoo the insurance company? You know what I mean? So it's like it's exploitative services all the all the way down. Um, and then it it helps nothing to have Whitney be the one. Like if Whitney is like the beacon of uh like of charity and and good fortune like that's not helpful either because whitney you're messing up in all your own ways uh that uh make make it difficult to be too sympathetic for her situation either yeah yeah i i think a large portion of the show is the stories that we tell ourselves about the lives yes like what is the version of ourselves that we have in our head and in you know obviously in her parents head it's like we're we're noble people you know and certainly that's how whitney feels you know as well so anyway just a couple of other scenes that happened in this episode at a massage whitney learns that her masseuse is kara who's doing it for the money the encounter is awkward and whitney cancels her appointment but leaves a 350 dollars tip for kara weird scene uh what yeah. do you think patrick Klepek? um i yeah, weird because obviously twenty thousand dollars is not um, doesn't change. It, it doesn't. It's, it's not, not necessarily life changing. Not necessarily. I not mean, necessarily. So for for some people it might be life changing, but like I don't know that it was for Kara. You know. Well, I um, mean, uh, twenty thousand dollars is a lot of money uh, for a period of time, but it is not as though you it's know. not like Kara could. If she was, if Kara was being a masseuse on the weekends. She couldn't necessarily stop just because she got twenty thousand dollars. Maybe she got just, maybe she got two hundred thousand dollars. She could, you know, but like right, it probably makes but, paying yeah. rent like easier yeah. for the next six months. Um, yes. but but beyond that, um, you're probably still doing doing jobs like this. And I mean, uh, yeah, it was just I don't know what to make of their dynamic anymore. Um, uh, it feels like that scene at the the art gathering was maybe it for Kara and Whitney as a relationship um like kara seems to no longer harbor any sort of meaningful feelings uh uh, to whitney but if anything it's just you know for all that whitney has done to quote unquote help her like kara being you know like an artist like she is still going to struggle like like and you can pat yourself on the back and give her a 350 dollar tip but you haven't meaningfully changed her circumstance Mm -hmm. um and she just Whitney is someone who spends a lot of small to medium amount of like short term size of money 
uh, that are nice and and flashy, but don't like ultimately don't change someone's circumstance. Even though you go all the way back to the structure of the the show, where we're going to essentially buy someone's house, move them out, and then subsidize your rent. But like for how long? Like six months, a year, right. perpetuity. Yeah. Like at some point, that poor lady is the older woman is going to have to pay the full rent and probably can't afford it. Yeah, you're, you're talking about the, episode, the bookends. You're like, talking about the sample episode of Philanthropy that we yes, saw, right? Yeah, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, yeah, what? I just I really admire the show because it just <laughs> it just makes so many interesting choices. It's like, hey, and you know they're writing, they're breaking the story, and you can imagine that. And then and then Whitney gets a massage, and Kara is the masseuse, and it's like, what? Like, I wouldn't have even thought of that, but that it's very plausible. That, mm-hmm. Like an artist also has a service job. That is very a thing that many artists do, right? And so, uh, I think you're right, Patrick. That basically, uh, ha- having Kara give her the massage would confront Whitney too closely with what the dynamic is in their mm-hmm. relationship, which is like Kara is basically Whitney's servant, and that is too much for Whitney. And to Whitney's credit, she recognizes that she can't deal with it. And she's like, you know what? This actually is too weird. Like, I'm not going to do this, you know? And uh, I'm not saying she's a good person for that or anything like that, but it's just like, Hey, that's some, some good self-awareness from Whitney there. So yeah, really interesting, really interesting stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's very reasonable for someone like Kara to have a weekend job or night job where she needs to do something else to make art. Uh, Cause it's difficult to make a living making art. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I just like, like the way Whitney steps in it in the beginning of like, oh, this place is so beautiful. The kind of thing you say, like when you're there with like yeah. a friend, and you're both about to get the massage. Not when you say it to the person who is about it's to like work in there, yeah. <laughs> work there. Like, isn't it so beautiful that you work in this beautiful place? Just yeah. I do ooh. think it's uh, it's a good move for Whitney. It's just it's it's a very. Um... I don't think intimate's the right word, but like getting a massage from someone is like, you know, they're like, they're kneading your skin for like right. an hour. And it's just like, you don't, would you ever accept a massage from a friend, Patrick Lepic? Um, I don't think, no, no, <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Right. No, I don't think I could do it. No, I don't think I could do it. They'd have to be really good. Maybe, 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 well, you know, I was going to say, someone maybe was like, a prof- like some of those people that like show up, like, well, like, come to your house yeah. and like do something in house. And this was someone who's a, I don't know, a good friend is an expert. Like I, I could see doing that, but this situation where you just, yeah. Cause they're not really like friends, right? Like no. they're not really no. Whitney might say that they're friends, but they're not really friends. You know? Yeah. I felt like a family member, like a close friend yeah, um, yeah. that like did that for a living. Like I, I could see that being sort of like fine and acceptable, but not this where it's just like someone that you don't even know what the, terms of your relationship are and then you just encountered them that's that's too far right right it would be like um i guess in your world it might be like a, a fellow games journalist right like <laughs> oh, God. and then you go you go to like uh you, you know you've worked you've maybe podcasted with them before and then you mm-hmm. go to your massage and then they're mm-hmm. the person you would be like no this is i can't no this is no not please happen, right? please no way right yes that'd just be really weird yeah so. <laughs> All right. Uh, Asher has concerns about their contract with HCTV, which now includes a line about how those involved in the show could be portrayed in a negative light. 
so Whitney's like, hey, let's just go look at the footage. And so they go look at the footage. By the way, there is a shocking amount of like seemingly completed footage of the show in yeah. The Curse. Like uh, between this scene from HGTV and the scene, you know, and then the episode of Philanthropy they uploaded. And like very little of it overlaps. Like it's not like the Philanthropy YouTube show is like the one that we see in The, in the Curse. It's like a whole different, whole different edit. So anyway, uh, there's uh, some tension between the two of them in the edit, but it's not portrayed as relationship en- ending. Whitney then asks Dougie to queue up a deleted section from the show. The moment when Asher and Whitney are handing over a piece of indigenous art to a couple interested in one of their homes and Asher is caught holding his cell phone against the art. The clip shows Whitney actively wondering if she should continue to be in a relationship with Asher, tearing him down in the process. Obviously upset, Asher leaves while Dougie chastises Whitney for the decision. Asher comes back into the room and in a desperate plea, pledges loyalty to Whitney and says he's been the problem, but Whitney doesn't understand why Asher still wants to be with her. Uh, So, you know, as the episode ends, tears start streaming down her face. What is going on, Patrick Klepek? I will say I died a little bit in this scene. It's such a... um, Asher. It's such a brutal thing. It's such a brutal thing to do to someone, honestly, to like (laughs) invite someone, hey, I'm going to play a tape for you. And then like in the tape, it's you saying all these terrible things about your partner. And then there's other people there too, like Mm -hmm. the editor and Dougie. It's it's brutal. It's it's one of the most brutal things that Whitney's done this season. So right. And it's it's done with calculation. I think this is uh, I think what makes this one feel all the more searing is when she has snapped at him or been cruel to him. Even the scene I was describing earlier um, after Fernando left, like that was a bit of a, like in the heat of the moment, I'm going to do something incredibly cruel, which we, I think anyone we're all guilty of making snap reactions to things. I do it with my kids all the time. I do it with my partner, like, but part of being in a relationship is like recognizing when you step in it, apologize, like, knowing that you are in different emotional states. Uh, how did you sleep? That I, you know, all sorts of things go into right. how you react in a heightened moment. But here, you know, she's exercising. She's thinking. She says, hey, let's go. No, let's go check out this footage. Like, there's, she has many moments to well, take and, an you know, Dougie's saying, like, hey, like, I, that's not... It's, it, that was deleted. No one needs to see it. And she's like, no, I want you to play. You know, it's it's clearly extremely intentional. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you were being handed a weapon and someone's like, no, 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 we don't need to fight. And it's like, no, I, I, I'm going to take the weapon. You know, it's like she, she's give, given the loaded gun and like she could put it away and she doesn't. And it leads to, I mean, Asher snaps, right? Like, I think we experience in some ways what could be described as like a psychological break. I don't, I don't think yeah. Asher is making a rational decision. I don't, like there's a moment where he can't even tell if he's moving his hands. Like he has lost mm-hmm. some sort of connection to reality. Um, and in many ways, I feel like we end up in this relationship in its purest form, which maybe what it was all along, mm-hmm. which is like Whitney controlling a puppet. Um, yeah. And they have been masquerading as something else for a very long time. And if that, this ends up being a show about identities and the personas we put into the world, well, when you strip all that down, like what is what's underneath there? And I think what we're seeing is is Whitney controlling Asher. And I I expect 
the consequences of Asher being in a conquest for for Whitney are going to define the finale. And my guess is it's going to have some pretty gnarly consequences. <laughs> I don't think Whitney is is moved by Asher or, or like, I don't think she's convinced by Asher's plea. First of all, this is like Nathan Fielder as an actor, really going for it. Like this yeah. is, this is, if, if there's an Emmy reel for the curse, this is the th- scene he's submitting. He's like, his, his reaction is essentially, I'm sorry. I've been a huge fuck up. And like, you're, you know, I'm giving, uh, I'm whatever part of myself I have not given over to you. It's now yours. Essentially mm-hmm. is, is kind of what I sense. And, I don't think that's what Whitney's looking for. That's kind of my reaction, you know, mm-hmm. is uh, it's not what she's looking for. It's not what she wants. And when he does it, it puts her, I think, in a challenging situation because she doesn't want to say no to it. Uh, but she doesn't want to say yes to it either. That was kind of my interpretation of her yeah. reaction. Any, yes. do you feel the same way? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I think it's also all these external pressures, right? The show, the show needs to be finished. The like it, it is not as though this is a relationship and a decision about should two people be with one another that is being mm-hmm. made in a vacuum. Like it yeah. has outside consequences, and so uh, you know, I, I, it's such a uh, interesting cut to black uh, because we are just given no real. You're just left to speculate. Yeah, what does Whitney do with this information? She has um, become. She had you know. Just as Oppenheimer became Death Destroyer of Worlds, she has she hath become cognitive dissonance, essentially. You know, she she wants to continue the show. She doesn't love this guy really. And uh, but she's just heard this extremely impassioned plea and so clearly has a window to continuing the show and being successful in some way. But it's and, not and who yet, she is. It's not who no, she is. No, no, and and you know, my I guess my my theory on where this goes is Asher now seems like a he used to be sort of a <clears throat> like a puppy dog following Whitney around sort of dynamic. Now he seems more of a soldier. And mm. I th- I'm guessing he's going to take that to extremes that lead to like frankly consequences for Whitney. Um like where she has allowed this dynamic to go on for this long without addressing it head on. And I think Asher is going to take matters into his own hands to to quote make Whitney happy. But what is what is what does that mean anymore? Um what would make her happy? It was probably you having walked out that door and not coming not coming back. And so the fact that he does come back leads everything in a he just seems like a bomb ready to go yeah. off. And I just don't know who's gonna be in the blast radius. Well I think we can wrap it up there on that bright note. <laughs> Next week we'll have our coverage of the curse season finale. Probably series finale. And in the weeks following, uh, Decoding TV will be switching over to a weekly format. We hope you will join us as we get this thing off the ground. Much more to say about it. You'll probably hear me repeat my explanation of it one or two more times. But appreciate everyone staying with us. In the meantime, until then, Patrick Klepek, you want to let people know they can find more of your work on the internet this week. Yeah, you can find me talking about video games, home renovations, obviously things that go hand in hand over at remapradio.com. And then my ongoing newsletter about parenting and video games. Uh, over at crossplay.news. All right. And until next week, thanks for listening to Decoding TV. Thanks to all of our paid members at decodingtv.com for making this podcast possible. We will see you later. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.